again just because A, it's a wonderful thing to recite, and B, it kind of leads into what I want to talk about this morning, because at the end of the Lord's Prayer, we always pray, Thy kingdom come. And I always say, Thy, and B, and that, because at least when I was young, and we learned things like the Lord's Prayer, all we had was the King James Version. So we learned all our scripture in the King James Version, because that's what we had. temple, what do you got? Roman soldiers. 
towers with their spear tips gleaming in the sun, looking down over what's going on. 600 soldiers stationed there all the time. They're looking down to make sure nothing gets out of hand. And then we come to AD 33. Here comes Jesus, King of Israel. Right? I mean, surely he must be. He drives out demons. He heals the blind. Surely the Romans would be no match for a guy like this. People were sure of prophecy coming true before their eyes. I imagine that day that they expected Jesus to come on into town and march right up to the Antonia and do whatever sort of Jesus food that they thought he was going to do. And boom! Romans are done for. These people are psyched for a revolution. And they think Jesus is going to bring the revolution that morning. Something odd happens. Chosen in our text today from the Gospel of John, all of the uh, Gospel writers quote something about this day. John says in John 12, starting in verse 12, The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees, and they went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And the crowd that had been with him when he raised Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. And the reason the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see, you're gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. And so this day, this Sunday of the Passover week, Jesus comes to inaugurate his kingdom. Now you've got these pilgrims entering Jerusalem, right? They all travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover week. Uh, it's the first eligible day to travel, because of course the day before had been the Sabbath, they didn't travel on the Sabbath, and so now they're traveling. According to Josephus, the Jewish historian, by the time Passover got fully going, there'd be about two million people in Jerusalem. A lot of folks. Passover week was a big deal. Well, you remember that it celebrates and memorializes God's great act of Old Testament redemption, the deliverance from Egypt. Each family was to sacrifice a pure lamb, just as they had done in Egypt when the angel of death passed over the houses of the Israelites and went to take the firstborn of Egypt. And with the blood on the doorpost, the angel knew to go pass, and so they were passed over. lambs would be paraded in, and they'd be cared for all week, and then on Friday, before Sabbath had started, they would be sacrificed. But this Passover, people are really worked up, because Jesus is here. They heard about the miracles, and especially this miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. And so pretty much, unless you were living under a rock, Everybody at that time had heard of Jesus' miracles. And they were pretty sure he was the promised Messiah. 
They expected that Messiah to be a king, kind of a warrior king like David. And their understanding is very clear from the word, their words and actions as, they, as he rides into Jerusalem. So they greet him first with cheers and palm branches. Now that had become a national symbol of Israel, the palm branch, back in what were called Maccabean times. This would have been the mid-2nd century B.C. So in the mid-2nd century B.C., Israel was oppressed by the Syrians. And a guy rose up named Simon the Maccabee, which means Simon the Hammer. That's what they call him, Simon the Hammer. And he drove the Syrians out of, out of Jerusalem and out of Israel. And he was greeted upon his return from war by people waving palm branches in 141 B.C. After that, the palm branch kind of became a symbol for Israel. It was minted on the coins, that sort of thing. I think I have a coin. Yeah, see, I, that's, a, that's a coin from around this time. And you can see it's got a palm tree on it. Um, and they're coming and they're singing this, this song from Psalm 118. It's a pilgrim song, right? This is one of the, what are called the Songs of Ascent. So why is it called the Song of Ascent? Because geographically, when you would come to Jerusalem and the pilgrims would sing these songs, Jerusalem's on a hill. So you go up to Jerusalem, hence the song of ascent, because you're ascending to Jerusalem. And they're singing this song, and this song is also a, a messianic song. It's about, it's about the Messiah. So, of course, they're rightly applying it to Jesus, because in Psalm 118, 25, and 26, it says, O Lord, save us! O Lord, grant us success! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. And so in John, the part where it records them saying Hosanna is the part in Psalm 118 where it says, save us. That's what Hosanna means, save us. So they're crying out to Jesus as he comes, save us. Save us, O Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us which he was going to do, but not in the way that they thought. So Jesus comes, and he comes on his donkey. So he finds a donkey, he rides a donkey in. Traditionally, when a king rides a donkey, he's riding for peace. If he's coming for war, he's riding a war horse. The king is coming for peace. And of course, it also records for us in John that he is fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you righteous and having salvation. Gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah knew about this. Right? Righteous and having salvation. He knew what's going on. People were not quite sure. I think it's also important to know. Not only did the people have a particular understanding, Jesus also knows what he's doing. This isn't some accident. Jesus isn't just kind of playing around, or Jesus is sort of accidentally fulfilling prophecy. Jesus is the promised king, and he's coming as the king of Israel, but not in the way the people expect. He is inaugurating his kingdom, but the kingdom of God at that point was only beginning. Jesus' plan spans much more than just Israel as a nation or people. 
that thy kingdom come that we prayed, it was becoming reality, but not in the way people thought yet. But it was very deliberate on Jesus' part. Now, if we're going to have a kingdom, kingdom needs two things. Kingdom needs a king. Well, we got that. That's Jesus. Kingdom needs citizens. And in Jesus' case, he's going to provide both. King and citizen. It's just no accident also that Passover week was chosen. From the time of Moses, the blood of the Lamb reminded the Jews of God passing over them when striking down the firstborn of the Egyptians at the Exodus. And every Passover, when that Lamb was slain, they reminded how the death of the Lamb substituted for their death. And now Jesus himself comes unknown to the people is going to offer himself as Passover lamb. The king here is being presented as a pure spotless lamb. But we know Israel is going to reject him because it's not the king they wanted. They wanted that war king. They wanted that warrior king like David. They wanted the Romans gone. That's all they could think about was, was this mission to get rid of the Romans. But Jesus' mission was to end a far worse oppression. And that was the world's bondage to sin. Because before the kingdom can be fully realized, the citizens have to be prepared to be a part of that kingdom. The kingdom of God, the thy kingdom come, and the idea of Jesus as king are inseparable concepts. Because it's only through the work of the king that the kingdom can exist. That's hard for us to kind of grasp. Because we don't think much about Jesus as king in our society. And when we do even say, I mean, I realize Kanye made an album called Jesus is King, but I don't think he even really you know, understands the whole idea. We don't think about kings. We don't, we don't really think about good kingship because we've grown up in democracy. And even in other countries with monarchies, usually the monarchies are one of two types. They're either like the British monarchy, which are just sort of these powerless figureheads who just, I don't know, do ceremonies and pat themselves on the back or something. Or the corrupt dictators. But we don't want anybody like that. We never really thought of Jesus much as king because we don't really think of kings very much. But it's vitally important for a whole lot of reasons. First of all, because it fulfills God's promises to Israel, right? Because he promised through David that there would be a king that would come, that would sit on the throne. Secondly, because Jesus ultimately is building a righteous kingdom, which means the king needs some people. He's building the people first by saving them from their sins and providing what is needed for those people, that's us, to become like him until he returns in triumph at the end of the age. The third thing that was missed was the idea that Jesus had a much bigger plan than just the Jews. He offers himself as king. He has to be rejected so he can go to the cross because he has to fulfill God's plan to bring the Gentiles into God's people. It is precisely because when he went to inaugurate the kingdom, they, they, they rejected him that makes the way for us to become part of the kingdom. He didn't come just to save sinners. He's redeeming a people to be part of a kingdom. 
citizens who can experience the first fruits of that kingdom in this life and then populate his kingdom for eternity. And so Palm Sunday is Jesus inaugurating his kingdom. And through Israel, Israel by the end of the week, they're going to reject him as king. They're going to shout what? Crucify him. But it's exactly that rejection and crucifixion on Good Friday that makes this kingdom actually possible. And this kingdom is not going to be like any earthly kingdom. It's not going to be a powerless figurehead, and it's not going to be some sort of crazy tin pot dictator. It's going to be perfect and holy and righteousness. And so Jesus dies to pay for sin to make sure that the subjects can also be perfect and holy and righteous. Not a righteousness of our own, but one that we get through Jesus. Made possible by his death and resurrection. Okay, so we know the kingdom here. It's been inaugurated that first Palm Sunday. Not fully here yet. Right? And I don't know about you, I haven't seen any news reports of Jesus ruling from Jerusalem. I mean, I'd like to hear that, but it hasn't happened yet. But there will come a time when Jesus consummates the kingdom. Look at Revelation 19, starting at verse 11. <clears throat> it says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dripped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. The armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You'll notice the imagery is a lot different than Jesus riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. He's got a war horse now. Swords and crowns. Jesus comes as a visible king, a conquering king. No one will be able to see him and not understand him as anything but what he truly is. And not only will he rule over Israel, but all nations will be subject to his mighty power. He's going to eliminate his enemies and set up his kingdom. It'll be consummated. It'll be fully realized. And thus he will be king of kings and lord of lords. If we were to explore the book of Isaiah, which has a lot of prophecies about the kingdom, we'd see a time of peace, right? A time of prosperity. A time when justice will rule and the earth will be born again like when it was created. But his first presentation of Jesus as king, as fitting on Passover, he came to bring the peace of God to us by becoming the sacrificial lamb to take away our sins. Following his entry in Jerusalem, we know he didn't march to the Antonian. He didn't go and kick out the Romans. Anybody remember where he went? He goes into Jerusalem. Where's his first destination? Temple. I heard temple. it somewhere. Temple. Temple. Goes to the temple and cleanses the temple, right? In preparing it for the ultimate Passover sacrifice of himself. But in Revelation, we see the second presentation comes to bring the wrath of God on the ungodly. To conquer his enemies and to prepare the world for his righteous kingdom. 
prepare for a physical kingdom, Jesus ruling from David's throne, the lying laying down with the lamb, the weapons of war being beaten into farm implements, hunger gone, paradise coming to earth. Sounds like the great world.
And what happens when we find ourselves in the kingdom of God? We don't know. People get healed. The estranged forgive one another. Sit down to dinner together. The brokenhearted are bound up. The victim is healed. Greedy tax collectors repay. The immoral repent of their sins. As the song we sang today says, in your kingdom, broken lives
coming, and we'll come to Jesus, our Lord and Savior.